On this episode of the 2X e-commerce podcast, I'm going to be talking with the founder of an outlandish costume clothing company called Shinesty. They've managed to scale to, to eight figures in revenue in just three years by scaling attention on social media through eye-popping videos and image content. Do stay tuned. Welcome to 2X e-commerce, the e-commerce marketing growth podcast where you ask questions and I, Renee, answers them. Also hear from proven marketing growth experts who are number one or number two in specialist areas of online retail marketing. So if you work in or own an online retail business, listen in, get involved, join me and let's put some fuel to skyrocket your e-commerce growth. So the inbound marketing strategies how do you beat Amazon? Natural search and our search engine position is critical to the customer flow through the website. I personally would not have an account process interrupt checkout flow at all. My favorite customer lifetime value calculation is an easy one. It's your average order value times that purchase frequency times uh, your customer lifespan. I'm Kunay Campbell. Let's get rolling. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. It is a game-changing email automation tool specifically built for scaling e-commerce businesses. I'm not just saying it. I use Clavio in my e-commerce store and stores I advise for. Household names in the e-commerce space such as Brooklyn Inn, Bonobos, and Chobis use Clavio. Here's why. Clavio has one of the most impressive feature sets in the e-commerce email personalization space at the moment. Besides the one-click setup, Clavio's Pixel tracks visitor behavior to help you set up highly effective custom email funnels. Clavio also offers pre-built autoresponders for cart abandonment, upsells, and win-back campaigns. Clavio's most game-changing feature is its Facebook audiences integration, which helps your email list to sync up with your Facebook ad campaigns. So as you continue to scale up your store, Clavio will help automate a lot more sales. Try Clavio today on Clavio.com, spelt K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. With retail moving online, finding a good domain name has become ever so important. But the challenge is that most decent .com addresses are either difficult to acquire or unavailable. The good news is that retailers now have a powerful alternative with the .store domain name. The .store domain name will be short, relevant, and directly associate your site with e-commerce and retail. Search engines give .store domains the equal attention and importance as .com TLDs. .store domains have already been adapted by top brands such as Emirates. So if you check out Emirates.store, you get to a store there. Jimi Hendrix, so Jimi Hendrix.store and F1, Formula One, F1.store. If you want a short and snappy domain name for your retail brand or your online store, you can now get a .store domain for just £4.99, which is about $6.99 using the coupon code 2XSTORE. That's 2XSTORE on get.store. Just go to get.store in your search engines and use 2XStore. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. This is the podcast hosted by me, Kune Campbell. And if you're looking to grow business, you know, pretty much that's involved in selling anything online, you're on to the 
you know, to, to the show, just tune in, you know, ramp up your, 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 your volume and listen on, because on this show, we talk about two X in, you know, three X in, and even 10 X in businesses, you know, from um, a point of view of scale of sales, actually. Um, so if you're looking at, you know, maxing out metrics, such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, traffic, and ultimately sales, you are in the right show. Now, on today's episode, um, I have with me the founder of a company called Shinesty. His name is called Chris White. I'll, st- I'll introduce him shortly. But um, Shinesty basically is, is an amazing company in the sense that they were founded just three years ago and um, they've scaled, you know, year on year, 2x basically. And they're now at, um, you know, eight figures, so 10 million plus, you know, company. And um, what they pride themselves in basically, what they call themselves, as much as I call them a costume company for millennials, um, what they pride themselves basically is um, they're more into like event-driven commerce, you know, so event-driven commerce in the sense that, you know, people would attend, you know, parties, people want to attend, um, you know, events, they want to attend things like Burning Man, and this is the place to 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 look different. You know, they have in all sorts of you know um, costumes from American flag costumes, just crazy stuff. And what they do with their crazy clothing is they create crazy um, content on the side. And they not only stop a crazy crazy content, they also amplify the content. You know, through paid social. So you know, all these elements that mix into like a truly social you know commerce you know experience. Um, that's managed managed to, to to rapidly grow this business. We want to flesh it out on on this episode. And you know, I'm really, really excited to 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 speak with um with Chris because um yeah, you know, we're talking about how you know you use feeling, you know, to sell. So they don't go straight for a sale, they you know, they go for for feelings, whether it's humor, they're trying to 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 to, to get, you know, whether it's anger, snarky, sarcastic, you know, they, they go for a pattern interrupt with their video content, which which is like fundamental and you know, in in like, you know, experts, you know, advertising and marketing. So without further ado, I, I'd like to welcome Chris White to the 2X e-commerce podcast. You're welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Gine. Nice to meet you. And uh, thanks for having me. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, So could you just introduce yourself? I probably didn't do you enough justice making an intro. Could you just introduce yourself in, in a minute or so? And um, we'll, we'll just jump right in. Sure. I'm Chris. Uh, I am one of the founders of Shinesty. We're based out of Boulder, Colorado, which is where we lived and where I met my co-founder, Jens, and where we started the company about a little over three years ago. Mm-hmm. We have grown really fast over the past three years, including um, we've we've grown revenue, we've grown people, and we've also uh, done our own show on MTV. So we had a, wow. a television show that aired earlier this year. Um, yeah, so we've done a lot of cool stuff and learned a lot along the way, a ton, a ton. So hopefully I can impart some of that wisdom. Fantastic. Fantastic. I think what we really want to cover is how you've grown via social media. You know, um, it's been phenomenal and, um, how you've not sort of whined about, um, the lack of organic reach and you've embraced, um, you know, Facebook ads quite cleverly, um, in combination with brilliant content. So, um, Let's rewind back to you guys. Are, you're 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 a substantial size company now. 
Um, your, you know, your, your revenues are, are substantial. Your staff size is substantial. The impact you're making is substantial. Your customer base is, you know, is, is quite decent. But let's rewind back to your first, um, your first piece of content that generated, you know, your, your sales, you know, substantial sales for the company. Um, yeah. Could you take us back to to year one because you're just in year three and um, you've done phenomenally well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So. I think from the beginning, like our perspective was we always wanted to make a brand that made our friends laugh. Mm. And so to do that, we had to be authentic to ourselves and to what we thought was funny, mm. even if a lot of other people didn't think it was funny. And, and to be honest with you, at first, I'm not sure that we knew that it was going to be successful or knew that anyone besides our stupid friends would find it funny. Um, but you know, that was the attitude that we went out with. We wanted to be authentic. And so we just created a brand that created content and uh, products that were all about the good times with good people in your life. So um, from the beginning, you know, we were selling ridiculous things from vintage Olympics windbreakers to um, neon ski onesies to huge oversized, you know, uh, WWE wrestling style sunglasses. Um, Really anything that was just over the top. Ridiculous. And that's still much of what our product mix is today. Um, but the one thing that we wanted to do was we took the approach that we we would always entertain first and sell second. Okay. Uh, that was just because personally, like we didn't like being sold to. Like mm-hmm. I think maybe that's a generational thing. Not sure what it is, but for us personally, we didn't like being sold to. And so we thought, hey, you know, if we can make something that's really funny, hopefully people will buy something eventually, but at least we can make some people laugh. Yeah. And so that was the lens through which we looked at every piece of content, every product, really most every decision that we made was, Hey, is this made to make someone laugh first and sell them something second? Or is it vice versa? Because if it's selling first, uh, that just wasn't an attractive so, thing. For us. It so, wasn't so, something we wanted. Yeah. So, so my rights in, in saying, or in, in just summarizing that, um, you were, you took an editorial first approach but, you know, still being commercially savvy in, in that sense, you know, understanding your audience, understanding that, you know, a segment of your audience will be customers, but, um, you just said, how are we going to entertain them from a content perspective? And then we'll, you know, give them be like a jab, jab, and then we'll give them a right hook, you know, eventually. Exactly. That's, that's exactly right. And because the market we're in, which we call event driven commerce is something that never ends. It doesn't go out of style, right? Christmas mm-hmm. parties and Halloween parties. And mm-hmm. for us, the States, uh, 4th of July parties, right? Yeah. Those happen every single year. Yeah. We view it as having a long life cycle. And so okay. we didn't want to turn anyone off by promoting an overly salesy message. So we would take things, for example, like an American flag. One of the earliest ads that we did was an American flag suit. Mm-hmm. And it was just a guy walking up with an American flag suit and slamming two beers in front of his face and pouring them <laughs> off his throat, uh, getting all over him, you know, and it had absolutely nothing to do. We weren't saying buy this American flag suit or, um, you know, <laughs> nothing like that. We were saying, Hey, this is what you can do wearing something like this. And this product will in- enhance your events, but without saying it, right. We didn't absolutely. come out and say, buy this product. We were just like, Hey, you look at that. You see that that's funny. You want to be like that guy. That's hilarious. Right. That reminds you of your buddies and yeah. subliminally our hope 
was that uh, that would work and convince at least some people <laughs> to buy it. And, and other people who maybe didn't want to buy that product would at least follow along with us mm-hmm. with the idea that, hey, you know, maybe a year down the line, we have a product for that person or exactly. maybe two years that person needs a Halloween costume and we're there for them. Exactly, exactly. So um, is, is, is that by any chance that the costume you wear on your LinkedIn profile? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of similar. Uh, that that costume is like original vintage. That's some of our uh, first, some of our first vintage products. Uh, okay. So, do you design all your products? Or do you source? Are you curators, master curators, or um, are you you know manufacturers who sell direct to consumer? You know, it's actually a mix. So, when we yeah. started, we actually sourced everything from when we were very, very first starting. We sourced everything from vintage okay. because we wanted to test a bunch of different product categories and. To do that in the quickest way possible, it was actually to buy uh, vintage products and. How build do you it. scale vintage? If is, is there a, is there a scarcity thing? Is there a limited supply of vintage stuff? Yeah, or? yeah. It was it was like sometimes as little as one or two items mm. of, of a certain skew. So it's not scalable, obviously, but it let us test it in a really lean way. And we always knew eventually we would move into kind of the strategy which we have now, which is a mix. And so some of it we're manufacturing ourselves. Some of it we're buying and curating from other cool brands that we find from mm-hmm. all over the world, mm-hmm. uh, random places all over the world to Etsy sellers, you know, who are, who's a mom in New Jersey mm-hmm. who you know, makes this in her spare time because she likes making these funny costumes. Nice. Um, get it, we get it from all over. Uh, okay. And then the stuff that we, we make ourselves is stuff that we think that, you know, there's a hole in the market for or we can't find anywhere. And that's kind of our merchandising strategy. So it's, it's a mix of both. Brilliant. Okay. All right. Let's rewind back again to your first ad. What was the creative like? Who did you amplify it to? Did you know your customers at the time? And um, what were the kind of results you, you, you got? Or was, was it an organic push or that went viral that, you know, got you your first set of customers? Yeah. So, I, I mean, if we're talking about ads specifically in Facebook, which was a big part of our early strategy, mm-hmm. um, you know, we would do things like we didn't have a lot of money when we first started. I think we started the whole company with 10,000 bucks of our savings. Mm-hmm. And so we, we would spend, you know, we'd have a budget of $20 a day. And mm-hmm. so we'd be spending $20 on Facebook. But what was happening was the content was so ridiculous that people were sharing it over and over and over again. And so we were getting you know, 200 or 2000 in some cases dollars worth of views because of all the organic shares and the comments. And then we would troll people when they commented on us and they troll us back. And that, that just creates, whether it's negative or positive, it creates engagement that Facebook sees as, Hey, that's good. I want to bump this up in everyone else's newsfeed. And it just kind of, uh, it, it creates this loop that, that is really valuable for a company. Okay. And resources wise, let's talk about resources wise from content creation to engagement to who manned, you know, engagement. What, what did it look like at the time and what does it look like now? Yeah. So at the time it was just Jens and I, who's my business partner. Okay. Uh, we had one other employee. We had, it was our first hire and she kind of handled the operational stuff, whereas we handled the marketing and products stuff. And, and so, yeah, it was just two of us, a camera, maybe we hired an intern at one point. Um, and like a backyard of full of friends. Oh. That was our, that was our full resource. Right. So we didn't have a ton. It was like, we, we bought a, I think we bought a 200 to $300 camera. Jen's had some photography background. So okay. that was helpful, obviously. Um, but we just went out there to make content that would make people laugh and really, was, we didn't know who our customer was, but we yeah. assumed it was 
our friends. Was, so it, like, was hey, it jackass format or just somewhere in between funny, really funny Saturday Night Live and, and jackass? Was it extreme? I'd say that's or? a pretty good, that's a pretty good analogy. I'd say it's somewhere between jackass and like the show Silicon Valley on, uh, on HBO. If you've ever seen that, okay. it's like, it's like a sarcastic version of Jackass. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, so you've got the eyeballs of the 20 something year olds, millennials who want to be entertained. They don't want to be up. They don't want to be sold up front. And, um, and that started to snowball. And, and then, um, what were your learnings from year one that you, you passed over to year two? In terms of Facebook specifically? Um, no, in terms of growing the business. Because oh you, yeah. You've doubled your, your business, you know, um, you know, um, twice now um, yeah. or was it three times three times yeah. Uh, yeah so so i'd say the <laughs> the biggest learning from that as you're growing so fast at first you kind of kind of look at the numbers and you're like whoa this is cool <laughs> and then you kind of look at the numbers and you're like oh shit how how are we going to handle the operations behind all of this exactly <laughs> there's three of us and so i remember that first christmas we had to call in we had to fly in our moms bless them. and our moms <laughs> lived with us for two weeks and <laughs> Spent two weeks in our like garage warehouse shipping packages out to people. (laughs) Um, I remember basically after that first thing, of course, we were doing our inventory in Excel. (laughs) So that crashed. Didn't work. Obviously, that couldn't keep up. So we oversold by, you know, 300, 400 units. We had to call 300, 400 people and be like, hey, yeah, we weren't paying attention close enough. And (laughs) we sold everything before we uh, were able to update our inventory. And so, uh, yeah, you know, that stuff like that, the biggest learning from stuff like that is like, and this is probably the, you asked like, what's the best mistake that I've learned from? It's probably this, which is get your systems in place. When you hit a certain level, you start to see some traction, mm-hmm. figure out how you're going to scale some systems, because if you don't, you're going to, you're going to be in trouble. And it, it is a world of pain to be like, Oh, we, we captured this customer. It was awesome. It was great. And now they hate us because we can't actually uh, fulfill on the promise right. that we have, you know. That yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So, um, given that you're an event driven, you know, commerce business and, you know, they're key events all through the year, um, just the business experience, you know, huge bumps in Halloween, you know, and, you know, the first of July 4th, um, yeah. you know, things like that, or, um, do you kind of ride the wave all through the year with, you know, birthdays and, you know, um, parties, you know, sorority, you know, parties, yeah. And all sorts of parties. Yeah. How, how do you balance it? And, and a college student, your, your, your target also, you know, um, college kids. Yeah. Yeah. So college kids and kids out of college or like our age, so right out of school who, okay. you know, have jobs and have money for the first time in their lives, but mm. don't have kids and don't have really a family. So they, they tend to party and go to events quite a bit. Mm-hmm. That's our main kind of customer base. Okay. Um, we do definitely experience drastic seasonality for sure. That's kind of the nature of the business. Uh, obviously, there are holidays throughout the year, but you know something like Easter is nowhere near, and Valentine's Day that's nowhere near the size of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah, we'd see big, big fluctuations. We're trying to address that with product selection and. We're adding products uh, like sports license products, so products that have mm-hmm. uh, you know, collegiate or professional sports teams on them, so that we can kind of touch people during uh, the off season of holidays. It's the high season of sports, and mm. so 
um, being able to talk to people about other events in their life that aren't just the traditional ones that you'd think of like, um, holidays. So thinking of bachelor parties and thinking of, um, gifts for people who just had babies or people who are married and, um, things of that nature to try to, we're trying to broaden it out, but yeah, yeah. I mean, season out probably so, always going to to this. cover every special moment in, you know, in people's lives. Exactly. Any of the good times with good people, right. Where you want to laugh. Yeah. That's yeah. where we'd be. And then they remember the brand, you know, also they, 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 okay. Oh, it makes, makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, with, with regards to, to PR, you know, you mentioned earlier prior to, to our call that, um, you know, um, PR played a huge impact or played a huge part in, in growing the business. Um, and you said, it's not like you hired an, an agency. Could you just, you know, flesh this, uh, you know, out for, for, for listeners, you know, how did you use PR to your advantage? Yeah, actually I can. Um, so I'm not sure how helpful it would be except for with the advice that if you're authentic to yourself and to your brand, good things will happen. And so I'll explain that by saying that we didn't actually have like a PR strategy. We weren't trying to get on a bunch of TV shows or get a bunch of people to write about us, but by making those funny ads on Facebook, Mm -hmm. um, they really started to go viral in November of 2014 and they started to take off. And all of a sudden some small bloggers were writing about the brand and really like the products that we were carrying on the website. Um, some small bloggers started writing about then a couple of bigger bloggers and then some comedy websites. And then all of a sudden one day I woke up and to a couple of calls from my mom and she was like, Hey Chris, you might want to get ready. And I was like, you're ready for what? And she's like, Al Roker just pulled up the shinesty website on the today show. And he talked about it for five minutes. Whoa. And, I was like, and sure enough, I looked down at my phone and it's just blowing up. Um, and that was when we sold out of obviously everything within hours and we couldn't right. keep up with it. Story and, um, all that happened, but boy, your website was, didn't crash. Yeah, it did not crash. Thanks to Shopify. Yeah, Here you go. Right. Good, Good shout stuff. out. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they'll give me a discount. <laughs> Probably uh, or add some of the features that I've been asking for either way. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that was like not necessarily a strategy, but I would say that the strategy there was just being authentic and creating awesome content that is, that resonates with your audience. And yeah. if that happens, people start to talk about it. And when people start to talk about it, good things happen. Exactly. 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 And, um, you know, the best surprise, you know, the best things when, you know, surprises like that pop up rather than you even, you know, having to prepare to, to, to go to the show, you know? Um, yeah. Amazing. Right. Amazing. Uh, what's a morning <laughs> for, right, for, right, yeah. <laughs> for, for the business. At first I was like, mom, you, uh, my mom's, you know, she's older. I was like, mom, you must be mistaken. And it's probably another company. She's like, no, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And I looked down and I'm like, whoa, okay, you're right. <laughs> okay. So, um, besides, you know, um, Facebook, um, obviously, which was the, so what do you spend on Facebook now? Facebook advertising, what, what does it, what does your creative look like now in comparison to, 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 to the start of the first two years? I mean, it's definitely more fleshed out. So it's less, uh, we have nicer cameras now and we have, we have people who are better at photography and better at video, mm-hmm. uh, than Jens and I were at the beginning who worked for us, but it's largely the same voice and the same sense of humor, right? Mm-hmm. That that's what's, that's, what's been steady throughout the mm-hmm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been able to produce better content and more content just by hiring a team to work with us and work for the brand. 
Um, and they've really taken the brand to the next level for sure. Uh, but the voice has, is something that's really remained the same, which is this sarcastic snarky, gotcha. you know, voice that likes to party. Yeah. Yeah. And are you sponsoring content similar to, 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 to your essence, your brand essence? Uh, we haven't really done a, a ton of, uh, of sponsored content outside of, you know, direct stuff from our brand, from our direct, uh, social pages. But, uh, we're, we're starting to get into some other, some other areas in 2018 to run some other tests on some other channels. Cause at a certain point, you know, you do cap out, uh, or you, you at least lose that, that exponential growth factor in specific channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to broaden on it. It's, it's better for the business to have a broader set of channels for acquiring yeah. customers. And so we're, we're kind of at that stage of the company now where we're exploring other new channels and we're playing around with new, new ideas each week and each month. That yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, what's, what are your thoughts on, on video? And um, do you think any other content type will transcend video? In, on in, in the next oh, few years? That's a really good question. Um, I think video is significantly harder to produce. Mm-hmm. So it creates, if, if in fact video is, you know, the future of content for the next five years, it, it does create a little bit of a barrier to entry, which I actually like because there's not much barrier of an entry in terms of competition when it comes to getting out there on Facebook or Instagram or yeah. even creating your own e-commerce store. Like it used to be five years ago, yeah. you can now pop one up for 20 bucks a month on Shopify and, um, you're killing it. Yeah. So, you know, I think that it, it creates a barrier to entry. I think it's a lot harder to do than to take a picture. You have to think out a story. You have to think out a, um, you have to think out, uh, scenes. You have to think out, you have to do the editing. You have to do the shooting. Like it requires more people and more time for sure. But I think it's also, there's a reason why it's working, right? It's, it's yeah. more engaging. It captures your attention. It's just a, a more interesting medium. In terms of if I think that another piece, another type of content, another content yeah, type, way yeah. of sharing content will transcend that. That's a really good question that you know, I have not spent a ton of time thinking about. I think that, I think that there's a lot of cool stuff happening in real life. Mm. Um, and so you know, ways of the, and you mentioned the Red Bull, right? Um, yeah. ways that people are putting their products into other aspects of the world, which I think is, is interesting, but it's not something in terms of another type of content that transcend video. That's, that's hard. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I was, I was, there's, there's a lot of talk on virtual reality, you know, and augment, yeah. augmented reality seems to be doing that, you know, with mm-hmm. Snapchat filters and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and you know, they're, they're sponsored, you know, opportunities in Snapchat with, with the filters. So. Yeah. We've yeah, looked at reality stuff, um, on Snapchat and whatnot. It's just, I'm not sure that it has the same, right. You don't put uh cat ears on yourself because you want to show someone a brand, but mm-hmm. you do it cause you want to be funny. And so like, if there's it's sponsored by Hanes or sponsored by whoever, um, I'm not sure that it has the same impact, but there. I, now that you're saying it, I mean, there's definitely some cool stuff that could be done with that. I just haven't seen it work for us yet, and it, it is. It's right now the tech is at a certain level where it's pretty expensive to sponsor something like that, so it's not exactly easily accessible. Mm, interesting, interesting. And speaking of like you know, 
in Snapchat and um, Instagram, I, I know you you mentioned, and I'm proud to the call, that Instagram seems to be, you know, your number one channel, you know, at the moment. Um, what What's your take on, on Instagram? What's your take on, um, because it's obviously very, very, um, you know, popular with the 20, you know, year old you know, demographic, 20, 30 year old demographic. Um, and what's your thoughts, what are your thoughts on Instagram stories versus, you know, Snapchat? Yeah. That's a really interesting topic too. I think that Instagram is definitely all of my friends and all of my employees um, who are above a certain age's favorite platform. Mm. And then I find that there's like an age gap that's a little bit lower, uh, which we have some employees in that age gap. We have a lot of customers in that age gap who prefer Snapchat, which I find really interesting. And I, I actually haven't... I've asked people why, and I haven't really been able to get a good sense for why a, there's a seemingly pretty distinct age gap between which platform people prefer. I do think that Instagram is a simpler version of Facebook. And, and I think that like, it doesn't have our moms and our aunties, you know, on Space. it commenting <laughs> pictures anymore, except it's starting to happen. My, my mom commented on a picture that I posted. She was like, what is this? I'm like, oh, God, mom. But you know, I think it's a it's a a more simple platform that you know gives you a, a quick view. You can scroll through and see a lot of different content all all at once in a visual medium. That's really beautiful. Um, I think the stories are a cool feature. Obviously, a copy of what Snapchat does, but a fairly successful copy of what Snapchat does. Because mm-hmm. I think the people that I know who used both platforms before uh, really have only stopped, stopped using Snapchat to a big extent. My girlfriend is one of those people and she, she used to use Snapchat a lot for video and she'd use Instagram for posting photos. And now she's like really transferred completely to using Instagram, which I was a little bit surprised by. Whereas I have people who work for us who are, you know, in their, or in their teens still, or in their early twenties and they still use Snapchat every day and don't even are, are never on Instagram. It's it's interesting, and there's a very very fine line, thin line, you know, between from a demographic standpoint, you know, yeah. between both audiences. It's and crazy. What's, what's more fascinating is, you know, your your um your brand, um, actually, you know, um, Shinesty actually, you know, covers both. <laughs> so, um, where yeah. do you post to? You know, what what do you prioritize over? Yeah, so I, I, you know, I think the content we're posting on both those two channels is pretty similar. Um, maybe the way that we respond to people in real time is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Our Snapchat can be a little more raw because it's live. So everything's live yeah. with yeah. Snapchat. So typically we'll film stuff live in Snapchat uh, with the Snapchat story. And then we will post that onto Instagram. The thing with Instagram is you can think about it, right? It doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter when you film something, you can upload it and it looks the same. It, it's designed to look more beautiful, less raw, less... Mm-hmm. Uh, like you filmed it on a cell phone, which everyone does. But so, I, you know, we post similar content, but I would just say that it's a little bit more raw on yeah. Snapchat because we're doing it in real time. We're doing it live. Yeah. I feel Snapchat, um, Instagram is a better platform to, for marketers, you know, to, to reach for reach. Well, it definitely has more analytics behind it. It has more conversion information. You can see, what happens on Snapchat? You post mm. something and you're like, okay, cool. I had a, a shitload of people watch this. Yeah. Well, then what happened? I don't really know. Right. Yeah. Uh, Snapchat. 
Yeah, Snapchat's great for users, but you know, I'm not sure they're doing a great job from a from a marketing you know standpoint. Yeah, and, and they've done some pretty cool stuff, or they're working on some pretty cool stuff when it comes to advertisers and and playing around with it. And we've been on that platform um, on their their self serve ad platform. We were one mm-hmm. of the first people to get access to that, which is pretty cool. Um, but you know, I, I think they haven't quite mastered it yet, and, and I hope they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Facebook needs a little competition. Yes, but indeed. you know, who knows? Well, I guess time will tell. Do you still advertise on Snapchat? Uh, yeah, we do from time to time. It just kind of depends on on the uh, you know on the the type of thing that we're trying to accomplish, right? It it uh it's really short videos in between other videos is okay. how it works, and so. You know, we've played around with a lot of stuff, and what's interesting on that is that we found that actually our our more raw content mm-hmm. was actually more successful on that than when we used a uh, more professional yeah piece yeah, of content. That's the case. Um, I, I there's there's this um advert that actually pops up, um, on on my Snapchat. It there's a guy who comes on it. He looks like a pothead basically. Um, yeah, and then he's saying, you know, um, register for a law degree, and you're kind of like, <laughs> geez. You know, this guy just looks like he's just smoked a pound and, you know, um, he's asking me to join a course. And then the next thing he wants to do is like, what course, what law course will put this guy from? And it well, probably like, works because it's been there like forever on my stuff. Yeah, and you're probably, most people are like, you know what? I'm kind of intrigued. I'm going to click on it. Exactly. I that, don't know why, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> It's funny, but yeah, yeah, the interesting stuff. Okay, Chris. Um, so 2018, what what what's it looking like? You know, what 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 you, what plans do you have ahead for the app? Yeah, so we have a lot of a lot of different plans. I mean, one is just expanding the cat product categories and the the themes and events in people's lives that we're covering, mm-hmm. uh, that we can get more coverage on uh, more of people's social lives. Um, and so that, that involves some licensing that involves expanding into some other categories that we haven't really, you know, done much of before. Mm-hmm. And that involves trying out some new products. So we have some new stuff, uh, in the works with like, a, we have a subscription for our boxers, nice. which has been pretty successful so far. Um, and we have some awesome stuff that we're, we're doing from a, uh, customization perspective, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, so like we're running some experiments, we're really building out the team and building, hiring more specialists this year, which is something that you kind of have to do as you mm-hmm. get to a certain level of really people, uh, you know, you start the company with the, I'm a generalist for sure, mm-hmm. uh, which helps you start a company, but then you get to a certain point, you need someone who's really an expert at what it is that they do. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. Okay. Um, before we, before I let you go, um, you have to, you have to, um, join the lightning round, you know, um, I'm going to ask you a series of questions and, um, if you could answer them with a single answer, be fantastic. You got it. how do you hire people? I look for culture first, which is, do I like this person and, and, uh, do they fit our four cultural values? One being, do they work their ass off? Uh, are they interested in learning new mm. stuff? Do they fit in our family? So mm. are they basically, are they not an asshole mm-hmm. and are they weird? Are they a little weird? Cause if yeah. they're not a little weird, then they probably won't fit in here. Yeah. Okay. What are your three indispensable tools for, for, for managing Shinesty? 
my three tools, I would say one has got to be Slack. Slack, I, I, since we moved basically from all of our internal communications from Slack, from email to Slack, my life has gotten well, a thousand times better. You've moved from email to Slack. For all internal stuff. Internal stuff. Oh, well. Yep. So instead of having 200 emails about various projects, it's all in Slack. So much easier to automate various things. So much easier to kind of batch check. Um, and it's just made my life way better. Fantastic. Uh, I'd say that for the out, I, all external stuff is obviously still through email. And I use uh, an app add-on called Streak CRM. Oh, yeah. Which is super helpful. It helps me like remind myself if I need to follow up with someone or if I'm working on something that's a business development thing. Um, or if I want to, you know, touch base with an investor once every quarter, it'll pop that back into my inbox, um, and help me kind of keep track of that BD pipeline. So that's super valuable. And then I'd say the third thing, which is kind of, this might be a little unconventional is that I have a, a old school flip phone. (laughs) I have an iPhone too, but the the distractions distracting. Yeah. And so having a flip phone and carrying around mostly a flip phone actually helps me get so much more work done because I don't like look on Instagram or look at our sales for the day or do stupid shit that doesn't actually help the business. Um, I am able to focus a lot better without having a phone. It's a great conversation starter. (laughs) It's definitely a conversation starter. Uh, people are like looking at me funny. Like who is this? Got a flip phone. Like, yeah, it, it, uh, it's still texting T9. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, although that's so annoying that you don't even want to text someone. <laughs> yeah, because you have to tap and tap and tap. Yeah, so annoying. So you don't end up even texting, just calls. <laughs> How do people do it? Um, anyway, right. Um, what's been your best mistake to date? By that, I mean a setback that's given the biggest feedback. I know you touched a bit in it um, earlier. Yeah, I would say that it's definitely like not having systems in place. And this happened to us twice, once with our warehousing and inventory that first year and the second year with customer service and just not being prepared for the influx of customers, not being organized around Mm. having an organized system around customer service. And so, um, those hurt really badly in the moment. Like letting people down is probably the worst thing you can do as an entrepreneur. Just personally, I'm sure it didn't hurt the, (laughs) our customers were like, Oh, I can't get this, you know, crazy Christmas sweater or whatever. I'll go somewhere else. But for me and for Jen's and for our team, that, that hurts. It's super let people down. And so like that is the bestest thing that we've learned from because it's made us get all the other operational systems in place mm. before we need them. So, you know, uh, implementing Zendesk, implementing a WMS system, we mm. just integrated ERP and, you know, probably we could have gone another year without implementing an ERP, mm. but we want to go through the growing pains now and we still can, as opposed to when we have to, and our hair is on fire. Mm. That's, nice. So, you know, learning from that is, has been the best thing because we'll, we won't make that mistake again. Yeah. And they also get in the experts in, in place, you know, to, to mm. actually man the process. Exactly. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, if you could choose a single book or resource that's made the highest impact on how you view building a business and growth, which would it be? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, single book or resource. I mean, I would say that like, instead of a single book or resource, I, I read a, a ton of different books and um, a ton of different business books, but I found that like, there's one line and one piece of advice that I got from um, reading a book in business school, which is like, if you want to be successful, mm-hmm. do something where what you're really good at crosses over with what you really love to do. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I found that to be so true because I've worked in other jobs that are awesome jobs, awesome companies, awesome people, awesome pay. But 
I didn't really love the industry or the product. And if you don't love the industry or the product, it's really hard to put out your best performance. And it's really hard to continuously make yourself better every single day. And so that's the piece of advice that I always leave anyone interested in entrepreneurship because this shit is hard. Yeah, it's it's not like glamour. It's actually, in fact, it is not glamorous at Mm. all. I've like had very few moments of glamour. Whereas some of my friends who have corporate jobs will say like, Oh, it's so cool what you're doing. Like, it's not that, I mean, it's, it's a grind, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm until 11 o'clock at night. I'm up at seven again, back at it. And I don't get paid a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to, you know, take the, um, the problems I handle every problem, you know, so, I hear about it and, and have to internalize those and be strong for, for my team. And so it's not glamorous at all. And the only thing that can really get you through that is doing something that you really love. Oh, exactly. So, you know, for me, like I really love this brand and I love humor and I love, uh, ridiculous shit and parties and social life. And, and that, that makes it a lot easier to get through the the low points. That makes sense. There's a lot of responsibility, you know? Um, totally. Yeah. There is. I would say that if I had to give a resource though, um, I read a lot of Quora. So like <laughs> I'm myself in like hour long holes in Quora. Yeah. Uh, and there's just like such awesome resources in there. Do you contribute to Cora? Uh, I do and I can, but I feel like so inadequate based on what I'm like looking at other people's stuff and these guys, you know, with 800 answers that are all incredible. I'm like, man, I feel bad even, even contributing. Like, Every little helps. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh man, like I, I'm not good. Enough. I'm not worthy. <laughs> Okay. Um, finally, um, for people who love what they heard, you know, just, just now in the last 30 minutes, how can people get in touch with you and Shinesty? Yeah. People can, uh, email me directly. I'm just Chris at Shinesty.com. Awesome. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. It was a fantastic, you know, um, conversation around, you know, social event driven commerce, Love your brand. Love what you're doing. Best of luck. Just keep grinding. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Kine. Have a great one. All right, cheers. Thanks so much for joining today's episode. To download the show notes, read the the full transcript, and to find previous episodes, head over to 2xecommerce.com forward slash podcast. Or just type out 2xecommerce podcast into your search engine of choice and you will find us. Um, Be sure to follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Kunate Campbell. And um, the handle for the show is at 2xecommerce. New episodes of the 2X e-commerce podcast show come out every Wednesday. If you haven't already, please write us a review and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your, your podcast. If you like this episode or any other you know episode, please share with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. 2X e-commerce is produced by me, Kune Campbell, with the help of Boban Maye. Thank you for listening, everybody, and catch you on the next show. So that was a wrap on this week's episode of 2X e-commerce. Remember, you can catch me every week and also send your questions and comments on Twitter using the hashtag 2XECommerce. Keep yourself in the loop by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. It only takes a few seconds and it means you'll get the most up-to-date episodes to help you grow your online store. Do have a good one till I catch you on the next show. Bye-bye.